The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews of the following program are solely of the individuals and are not the views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid Coven, the unofficial American Horror Story Coven internet radio show exclusively on Poppy Chulo Radio. Today is Wednesday, November 27th, 2013, Thanksgiving Eve, and I am your host, Poppy Chulo. Here on Are You Afraid Coven, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the Hit FX series, so you're going to get all of the biggest news regarding American Horror Story Coven, such as the casting scoop, episode titles, ratings, reports, and spoilers during the latter half of the show. But don't worry, we're going to warn you with a spoiler alert. So please welcome my fantastic co-host team. First up, we have a gentleman that loves a good spotty, Deadly. Yo, yo, I'm, 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 I'm upset this week. I'm upset. <laughs> Next up, we have our own precious co-host that loves going to eat fast food with racist white people. Oh, cats meow. I knew you were going to say my name because you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I hate you so much. I think you like get a kick out of like fucking up my intro. I hate you so much. Next up, we have a woman who, who sort of got her tongue back via a spell tonight. We saw it wiggling back into her mouth. It's Darielle. What? (laughs) (laughs) Poppy Chulo is on something tonight. (laughs) And last but not least, we had new, I guess, maybe permanent addition to the cast. You've heard him before. I ain't going nowhere. You've heard him before. Before he used to live in the swamp, but now he's living in the academy. It's Marshall Evans. Hey, what's up? Yes, I decided to come and join other black folk. We gotta talk about some black folk stuff today. We gotta talk about grown folk shit today. Yes, honey, because this show <laughs> was, a, was a hot, juicy, crispy chitlin. Ooh, yes. I like chitlins. See? Oh, you, black folk stuff. Tripas. Tripas in Spanish. Some tripas. Eh? That's what it is. Yeah. Told you, black folk stuff. We talk about people like chitlins and okra. And we don't have all kinds of things. Going on. It's amazing. Fried okra is definitely a staple. Mm-hmm. Speaking of staples, let's all hop into the pickup truck and head on down with La Lorie to the local uh, fast food joint as we recap episode 307, which was titled The Dead. And it aired on November 20th, 2013. As we usually do, I'm going to read the press release for the episode. Fiona finds new purpose in a dangerous love affair. A night out with La Lorie leads Queenie to question her place in the coven. 
Cordelia makes a fateful decision about her mother. So, of course, without getting too spoilery, let's go over our initial reactions to the episode. And we'll start off with uh, the newest witch in this coven, Marshall Evans. What? What you want me to do? Your initial reaction to the episode. Oh. Aren't you an expert at this? I'm sorry. I don't know. I think I that was the best that. thing I've heard so far. I'm sorry, I missed something. He's on that tequila sunrise. What do you no, want me to do? So, no. Um, this episode was, you know, I've been lost. And I have to admit, I finally am beginning to get it now. I have to say I was a little disappointed with some turns of events that happened, but you know that's what makes it a good show. You're not going to get your way all the time. But uh, overall, I think it was an okay show. It wasn't slow. Uh, it, it definitely opened up some doors, and I'm looking forward to where they're going to lead now. Miss Kitty? Um. Well, I thought it was interesting. I don't know, like, the, the, always the beginning of the, sh- of the TV show always is, like, really strange. And it always, it's, like, it's always really shocking. So, I really liked it, though. I mean, like Marshall said, this episode, it, was, it wasn't slow. It was definitely um, putting us back where we needed to be, especially from the last episode. Mm-hmm. Deadly. Well, I'm a little upset there won't, won't be any more tea parties. And, um... There was no Nan, no Nan in my life this week. That kind of upset me. But I am excited about the teaming up of uh, Fiona and the Axeman. I think that's going to be a, a great duo right there. The new Batman and Robin. I'm excited. Sacagawea. <laughs> well, first, <coughs> please, listeners, excuse my voice. Um, but I really like this episode. It advanced the story really good um it wasn't so i agree with everyone else and i also agree with deadly i kind of missed uh nan this episode but other than that i don't want to strain too hard so yeah you know what <laughs> dariel is our version of the axe man <laughs> oh fuck you <laughs> the raspy voice so yes i thought it was a decent episode i think we learned a lot of the characters i think a lot of it was sort of setting up what's going to happen in the next couple of episodes especially the mid-season or winter or fall finale whatever the hell you want to call it i am excited to see what's going to happen next and i definitely want to eat some fast food with la Laurie and queenie because <laughs> they just look like they're having fun yeah. They're munching, they munching down. Because so, it looked really freaking good. They had the munchies like cat's meow. <laughs> now, my fav- now, my favorite moment in that whole scene was when she said, where is that voice coming from? <laughs> <laughs> that was a classic. It was a great throwback to the fact that she still is not adjusted to our time. So I just thought that that was very smart. You know what I mean? That she, you know, you go up to a talking you know, clown's mouth. And she's just like, where the hell is that coming from? You know, like, what's going on? <laughs> so I just thought that was cute. That was very cute. That was my favorite part of that whole scene. I really could care less about two chubby people eating. Get it, it was really cute. Wow. <laughs> that was so your teacher. Huh? 
That was your teacher. No, I just, I, I, no, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, she, she was my acting coach. Um, Kathy Bates was my oh, acting coach. She was. Mm-hmm. Dario, you were here for that, weren't you? No. Oh, no, she missed that. Yeah. So, but I mean, I just think that in terms of the arc of the scene, I understand it was set up for emotional climax for the end of the show, uh, for people to kind of be a little hurt, and it was also set up to for people to have some kind of sensitivity for Lollary, Madame Larie or Larue or whatever the hell her name is. It didn't work. Oh, <laughs> yeah so i understand that that's what it was for but it was just kind of like really random conversation but you know what it did it's interesting because madame Lurie unfortunately set up her own you know mm-hmm. situation at the end of the show by the Wait, hold up, you're getting she, too fast hold yeah up, too by fast. the statement that she made but i'm just yeah okay. no but Can we you please didn't think that they were gonna how you, you, Wait, go ahead, no, it, I had to. I was talking about the food scene too. Like it was cute, but it was kind of weird at the same time. Just watching them eat, right? Even though I was really fucking hungry, and, but think- I don't like the way. Like one thing, I'm happy that they didn't do is that when she ordered all that food, I'm happy that they didn't have her say, "What do you want?" Right. That would have been very disrespectful. I, I was expecting that. Like, I was really expecting that. I really was, too. Like, okay, so what <laughs> are you when getting? When they did it, like, my heart was like, yay! No low-ball fat jokes. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. So you didn't think after that fast food meal that they were going to go back home and make friendship bracelets and maybe scissor? Well, no, I think, I, I honestly, to be honest with you, I thought that they were going to be, I thought that they had built a relationship. And I think that, unfortunately for me, I think Madame LaLaurie undercutted that relationship by the statement that she made, the very last statement she made in that car. I think she destroyed the relationship. Yeah. No, I agree. She, she, she planted the seeds of doubt. And, mm-hmm. it, with, and, and so she still, to me, had not learned her lesson. She was still racist. Yeah. What was the what I, I forget? Hold on, because we're going to talk about that, but oh. in just one second. And Marshall didn't even hear my scissoring comment. But anywho, let's jump Ooh. into the recap of the episode, and we'll break it down via specific storyline. So we'll start off where the episode started off. A flashback to a tattoo parlor. Kyle is not Frank and Kyle. He's regular Kyle. And uh, he's with his um, gang rapey frat brothers. And they're all getting tattoos except for Kyle because Kyle is smart enough to explain his future plans that he wants to be an engineer. And uh, if he gets tattoos, you know, how can he walk into boardrooms with tattoos and all that kind of stuff? So all of this is shown to us because we're seeing the various tattoos that his frat brothers get. So in the present, we see a chained Frank and Kyle examining his body and he finds the tattoos from his frat brothers. Zoe observes him. She has a gun hidden behind her back. She apologizes to Frank and Kyle and um, she's um, trying to understand the suffering that her ability has afflicted or inflicted up- upon him and his body. And um, so she's kind of ready to shoot, but he grabs the gun. He nearly shoots himself in the head, but she stops him, which makes no sense because she was about to kill him. But she ends up embracing him. And um, yeah, so then we see Madison. And uh, she's sort of discussing what she's going through. She has this long monologue that 
basically says that when she was alive, she didn't really notice things. She she wasn't really trying. She um she was basically trying to say that now that she died and she came back to life, she doesn't feel anything, and how much she took that for granted when she could, because you know she would be eating and she would. Um, you know, stick a finger down her throat, throw up the food. Now she can't even taste the food and it doesn't satiate her ravenous hunger. And uh, she's trying to just feel things, period. She has a, a lighter under her the palm of her hand and she's burning herself, but she can't feel anything. She goes through Fiona's potions and she takes everything that she can and while experimenting with the potions to improve her resurrected appearance, the side effects to those potions um, help a little bit. So she goes from, as she said, looking like Marilyn Manson to looking somewhat normal. After getting a drunk phone call from her heavily armed husband, Hank, Cordelia searches blindly through the hallways and stumbles into Madison. And uh, upon touching her, she gets a vision and she sees exactly how Madison died and that Fiona was a part of it. Then we also see that Zoe is trying to like rehabilitate Kyle, teaching him words, you know, if you want to go to sleep, bed, if you're hungry, food, and he gets very frustrated with that. Madison walks in and tells Zoe that Cordelia would like to speak to her, and uh, Madison has a bonding moment with Kyle, and uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that in just a second because Zoe goes to see Cordelia and basically Cordelia warns Zoe that, well, she lets her know that she knows the truth and that Fiona killed uh, Madison and that Zoe needs to be careful with Fiona, that if she starts expressing all these powers and letting people know that she could be the one that's next. So Zoe, I mean, um, Madison and Kyle are alone. Madison is sort of describing her afterlife feelings with him. They embrace and uh, yeah, as um, Zoe comes back to talk to Madison, she sees... Uh, Madison and Frank and Kyle going at it, hunching with extra hunch against <laughs> the wall of their room. And so she leaves, and uh, later on, Spaulding is tied to his bed, and uh, he's surprised that his tongue has been restored. The reason his tongue has been restored is that. Zoe had found his tongue in a box. It seems that Myrtle Snow had kept it preserved in a box in the closet. And because it's enchanted, it's still like, you know, saliva-y and all that stuff. And so Zoe created a spell or used a spell to restore the tongue back inside of Spalding's mouth so that he could tell the truth about what exactly happened with Madison. And so since the tongue is still enchanted with the spell that he has to tell the truth whenever he's asked something, he's yelling truth bombs left and right. And <laughs> after Zoe gets the truth out of him in, this is my opinion, a moment that was utterly stupid because why the hell would you do this to the one person that knows the truth she kills him and i can understand why she did that because i guess if you betray the coven 
you know, you should die or something like that. But she ends up stabbing him in the chest. A bloody Zoe is showering and she's greeted by Madison. Zoe tries to sort of act all nonchalantly about Madison's um, sexual exploits with Frank and Kyle. Madison says basically that she's not done with him, but if that Zoe wants him, that they can take turns. And so Madison leads Zoe to join them in bed together. So talking about this storyline itself, uh, Zoe, Frank and Kyle, Madison, Spalding, and Cordelia. What's everyone's opinions? And we'll start off with Spalding's right-hand man, Deadly. Yes. Well, that scene with the tongue has has me. Did it get forever. you excited? Well, no, it got me kind of sad because I can never. First of all, first off, my man Spalding is gone, and I love Langua tacos. My mom makes like tongue tacos all the time. Ooh. Yeah, but when I saw Zoe carrying that, you of? yeah, when I saw that tongue on the plate, I'm like, I think I'm gonna have to pass this year on the tongue tacos when I go home. Yeah, oh no, I'm... bring them on. They are delicious. <laughs> I love Langua tacos. I think they're so damn good. Mm. Y'all just eat that. all kinds of shit. Y'all are Y'all discussing this is not Survivor. No, it's being adventurous. By the end of this episode, somebody would have ate crocodile shit and alligator dick because they didn't eat everything <laughs> else. Well, I'm just, well, it's one of those things. Do I want to look down the road and be like, oh, I really wish I would have tried these things or I don't know. Like, no. just because it's Just because it's a tongue doesn't mean like it honestly tastes like pot roast. Like, oh, you just don't shut if, up. Like, no. I fed some to my boyfriend, and he didn't even know what it was. He was like, it tastes like pot roast. I told him what it was. He didn't act like a child and start gagging. He was like, oh, it's really good. That was it. They are good. They are good. But I'm gonna. I'm just kind of hoping that maybe Fiona, you know, maybe her last bit of energy can bring Spalding back to life. Who knows? We'll see what, what happens. You know what I'm digging a lot is the new Kyle Madison uh uh, relationship maybe it's because they're, they're they're a couple in real life but it just kind of plays out real good so i'm digging that you just and, liked it because you thought they were hunching for real well kind of got good booty he got a good white booty so it's all right <laughs> <laughs> a mess <laughs> i can't i can't even i can't even go i can't even i can't even try just well, that's <laughs> the best been in the mo- in the whole damn show this you said it was the best sex scene that's been in the whole show, and it wasn't. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was white people hunching, catch me out. For white people to be hunching, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was like okay, I can actually stomach my food while I like watch this. But I'm gonna have to agree. I'm gonna have to disagree with Deadly. If they bring back Spalding, I'm gonna lose my damn mind. Yes. Too many people are being brought back to life, and it's like it's hurting my head just to like really think about it just like okay this person's alive now is this person going to be really dead now this bitch is alive the whole scene with like or the love triangle or whatever the hell it was threesome i'm confused <laughs> i'm like is i don't know like i just i don't know it was just there's a lot of sex in this episode a lot of sexual nature so, and I don't really care for that shit. So, I guess no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have okay. to say that I'm glad that Spalding is dead. 
Um, I don't think Boo. that it was, I, would, I would have to disagree with Papi Chulo. I do really honestly do not think that it was bad that, um, no tea parties for you. Uh, uh, well, child, I don't do tea, so that's all right. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that, uh, that I would disagree that, that she didn't need to kill him. She did need to kill him because if you tell yeah, him the but- truth, listen, mm-hmm. thank nope. you. If Fiona would have came onto the show and asked him a question, he would have been, had to tell the truth. So there was no way to disenchant what was already enchanted. Yeah, but wait till Beverly Leslie gets there so they can you can have a witness. But the problem is, is that Fiona was get there before they would get there. Well, That's the whole idea doing something else, but we'll discuss that in a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, so I mean. But my whole thing is, is like you know, you get rid of the allies to the woman that's gonna try to kill you. Just like she did the same thing when she was trying to rise up. You get rid of the the, the, the people that are going to protect her. So now you've got the, the daughter on your side who's warning you about her. Honey, you get rid of all the allies. Because the only way you're going to survive is you have to kill her because she's so crazy she's going to kill you. She's not going to die humbly. She didn't kill everybody. She killed Madison. I don't trust the bitch. Slash her throat. Bam. I mean, the way that I see it is if you're that greedy that you're going to kill everybody to live, you know what I mean? You set people up, you 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 use people. Mm-mm, child, mm-mm. I'm not feeling Jessica Lang, and I just watched her in Tootsie. I miss the old, I miss Jessica Lang from Tootsie. I don't like her in this show. I don't, she's, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> like, it's just a really fucked up scene. Yeah, and the sex with the kids, you know, threesomes, everybody's done them. Get over it. Man, that I didn't haven't. Shock me. I haven't. Oh, God. It was everybody. Well, Marshall. <laughs> um, Maybe like deadly. The, I like the dynamic between, um, I always call him Tate. What's his name this season? Kyle. Frank Kyle. and Kyle. Frank and Kyle. I like the dynamic between him and Madison because I knew, right. I kind of had That's a right. feeling. I had a feeling that they would kind of end up hooking up because she feels really empty because she died, and he obviously feels so empty. So she needs her vagina filled? Yes. <laughs> well, but what it seems like that she was, you know, there was no emotions and, and, but, except for sexual emotions, and it did exactly. seem to calm him down. Yes, it, it significantly calmed him down. Calmed him down. down. So a lot of it could be, you know, that that's the way to deal with him, and, and yeah. I think that you know yeah so i just want to know whose penis he got whose penis did he get because we saw whose arm he got and whose leg he got with them tattoos but whose penis of course did that's he get? the one thing you want to know <laughs> well, she she um i don't know i really i i don't know i like the scene not 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 because of that but the whole scene i felt really bad for madison i liked her monologue at the beginning and um, as far as Spalding is concerned, that whole scene, it was just annoying. But the one thing that made me laugh, when he was like, Fiona, or something like that he did, it made me yeah. laugh. But. Oh, <laughs> um, you did that good. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is that, you know, he did, he lived long enough. He's lived since, what, 1930-something? He didn't even look old. He just looked broke down with no tongue. It was time for him to go. I just felt bad because he finally got his tongue back and he didn't even really get to use it. Like, I feel bad for him. <laughs> you think he should have eaten someone's pussy first? Or his butthole, you know, whichever he prefers. <laughs> yes. Darielle is all about equal rights. <laughs> I am. 
Okay. Opportunity um, eater. Exactly. <laughs> I think everyone sort of said everything that could be said. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I'm still, I don't know. Well, no, I, no, we didn't talk about the fact, the interaction between, uh, uh, is it Cordelia and, um, and Zoe and Zoe. We didn't talk about that. I thought that that was, that oh, yeah. was the most important scene. That uh, line is a killer. What does he say? Killer good, killer gone, killer dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> killer dead, killer good, and killer gone. And I think that, that that was very interesting because that's a turn of event. You know, that's the first time you've seen Cordelia actually turn, like, not be afraid of her mom. Like, she's Ugh. angry. She's angry. She's, like, really angry. And she uh, a gangster now that she's. Yeah, she turned very gangster. Like, and I think I love her whole thing when she's like, these things have been in front of my face, and uh, but I was blind to them until I actually became blind. Now I see. So I just think that that's like that. Her to me, her character is very important now. It's like she's. It's almost like we felt sorry for her because she lost her eyes, but now I'm kind of like she's actually more powerful since she's lost her eyes. We're actually seeing her use magic. So are we all Team Cordelia now? I just want to see how this plays out. You know, I want to see how she comes, you know, out more as far as like her power and how, how long she's going to remain a thug. I feel like she's going to chicken out, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. You just don't betray Fiona. You don't betray Fiona, your own mom. She's going to come back and bite her in the ass. Watch. you got to betray your mother for the things that she no, does. No, her mother has betrayed like, her. Exactly. No. Like, you like you have to. Like, it's, it's not necessarily a betrayal because she's doing what's right. It would have been different if she, like, was trying to, like, kill off the students or whatever. But she's 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 doing what's right, which we it's can definitely blood. feature it's for. It's blood. You don't I, understand it. I understand it's blood, but it's still you still have to do what's right at the end of the day. Like, she's gone against blood. Her own Who's damn self. Her own Fiona. Exactly. Yeah. But I think about? it's different because it's like a mother-daughter thing. But at the end of the day, you know what you got to do. Like, I love my mom to death. But if I found out that I was the only key of stopping my mom of doing these terrible things, I would do what I would have to do. I would sacrifice my mom or my friendship with my mother to save other people. Like, and when you're talking about children, you're talking about children. This woman is cutting necks of children. She's not. It's not like other adults who are. She's not a child. Who's not a child? Compared to everybody else on the show, she to everybody on the, on the show, all of them were kids. Kid like they're kid like. I mean, they don't have the powers that Fiona has. She's how old are they just, supposed to be? I would say in their twenties. Like no, me? they're like early twenties. Early, early twenties. So me. I don't think I don't think <laughs> Zoe is like I think she's in a high school. I feel like she's underage. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I got but that from both she, girls She did uh take that shot like a pro though in that flask, so I was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, the high school kids these days are taking shots out of flask at the in the fifth grade. Oh, that's true. So I mean I'm not surprised about it that she's a freaking yeah, out. That was stereo. Actually, that was not me. That wasn't me until college. <laughs> so, yeah, but I just I just wanted to point that out because that scene was an important scene in terms of moving the story along and, and realizing that, you know, people are actually now beginning to take sides. So. I agree. And I can't wait to see where Myrtle fits into this now. 
She's gonna be hunching everyone. Myrtle? <laughs> I think so. So <laughs> moving on from three white people that are hunching to another two. The Axeman and Fiona enjoy a nightcap in an apartment that Fiona believes to be his. They talk about the, his past and she excuses herself to his bathroom. She sort of primps up in the mirror and um, as she's fixing her hair, some of her hair falls out. Mm-hmm. And um, she's sort of a bit distraught because of the clump of her hair in her hand. She's distracted by the fresh corpse hidden in the bathtub. He tries to entice her to stay, but she insists on leaving what she deems a failing one-night stand. Not willing to let her go, he holds the door and seduces her into staying for some jazzy love-making. Because Fiona and Jessica Lane is a lady. She doesn't hunch. She makes love. The light bulbs explode during their climax. Fiona dresses to leave the next morning and uh, reveals that she is aware of the corpse in his bathtub. She says she's called the police, but he doesn't believe her. He thinks she seeks an emotional connection and reveals that he's been watching her since the age of eight. A flashback shows um, Fiona as an eight-year-old getting bullied by one of the, I don't know, let's call her a headmistress at Miss Robichaux's. And um, we see that the Axeman protected her against the bully. And uh, throughout the years, he like, started off feeling very fatherly towards her. But as she developed boobs, he fell in love with her. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he sort of became infatuated. At the, you know, Fiona's sort of intrigued by this, but then repulsed by his obsession. She's like, who are you? What are you? And uh, she storms out of the apartment. But uh, later on, as she's back at the academy and she's fixing her hair again, some more hair falls out. So she's about to go all G.I. Jane on her head. But then she hears some jazz music and it gets her feeling all sexy again. So she heads down to the club and uh, listens to the jazz man. And once he's done with his set... She sort of uh, makes herself noticeable, and um, she offers to buy him a drink. So, what did everyone think of the Axeman, Fiona, their love-making session, and uh, everything else about them? We'll start off with an expert on white people sex, Miss Kitty. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) You're a fucking clown, man. Um, well... As far as them hunching, um, surprisingly, I was very speechless. No, she's a lady. She does not hunch. Well, whatever the... I don't know what the fuck happened. I looked at my fiancé. What the hell? Like, I looked at my fiancé, and I was like, what the fuck was that? And he was like, middle-aged white people fucking. (laughs) I don't even... I don't even know. Like... It was really artistic. I thought I was watching a, a movie from the 90s. All the, like, black and white scenes and fucking Target red light special fucking... It was just really weird. The Target but, red light special. <laughs> That's like, Kmart. Whatever. The fucking Halloween lights. Whatever. Like, it was just... 
it was just a bit much. It was just, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know if they just rubbed each other down or did they have sex? Who knows? But it really looked like they dry humped. It just like for real. It looked like it looked like when Dusa, you're not like you're you're kind of into, but you guys are just friends. You end up spending the night at his house just as a friend, but you end up dry humping and having sex. I think that's what was supposed to happen, but they never got to the sex part because they're so damn old. They fell asleep. Uh-huh. But it was just really strange. But as far as like Fiona kind of meeting her match, that was badass. <laughs> And it, it kind of gave a little, like, head nod to the first season because she's having sex with a fucking ghost. Like, it was oh, just really yeah. fucking strange. I just want to know, how the hell are you going to be dead for, like, 50-something fucking years and then you have an apartment? Well, I, I don't think it was killed his apartment. The guy. I think he killed the guy. And just, been- oh, yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Let and me- I'm going to assume he took his job. Yeah, I think he was a. I think he was actually a jazz person, but that then that makes he's not a ghost, and that's where it becomes confusion. Where they still have not. Yeah, they haven't explained it. They haven't explained like okay, they were. I can understand releasing the ghost, but that means releasing it from its its residency. But like he's a human. Like I'm completely confused now. They I told still, you this shit is so weird. But they just, this lets me know that the writers are not, they're not, they're not being consistent. They're not completely. They'll probably explain it two episodes down the road. I just hope that they don't do what they did uh, on the second season for the finale. And they kind of, kind they just hurry up and quickly told you what happened. But they never, but they never really explained it. They explained what happened to Tate. But as far as like life beyond for like the monsignor like that was just really weird everything was just it made sense but it didn't make sense and i hope that's not i hope they don't do that and be like oh by the way the reason you can see him because of da 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 and then that's it yeah all i know is the actor danny houston half brother of actress angelica houston has been killing it as the x-men i would i would definitely suck his dick like he's oh. really cute oh. for an old man. Wow! <laughs> like normally for older white men, pornographically correct. Like <laughs> normally for older white men, like Clint Eastwood has my heart. But, oh God! Ew. Like oh. I know there's, there's something about Hell him. Oh. When you do him, does I he have an empty chair next to him? But I didn't even know who this man was. Like I'm used to him playing a semi-villain, but I never knew his name. And then when I like saw him put on the boobs of Jessica Lane's, like I superimposed my head on her body, and I lost myself for about a minute. Oh, yes, well. I always knew you dreamed about being a blonde white woman. Wrong. It was almost wrong. <laughs> like Ew. now, I'm just saying, like he's good looking, and they, they even though I'm gonna have to, like I, I'm in the middle because what Marshall Ew. said last Ew. weekend. Stop mooing. Could <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if she? gets pregnant with his demon baby then she's gonna have like i don't know we don't know yet but like marshall she, said like the guy was, he was mulatto yeah in real life so, he's mulatto. yeah I, part of me is like i like the fact that they got this guy to play the x-men but i wish they would have gotten like i don't know will smith no wrong oh, hell no wrong. the guy michael from Simon, miami or like somebody no, or like not michael ely either shop like you know who i would have loved no 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 you know who I would have loved? Oh, God, what is his name? The, he the was grandfather of the Cosby Show. No, no, by the way, you know he's gay. 
You know yeah, he's gay, he's, right? The guy ooh. from the Cosby Show is the guy ooh. that played Bill Cosby's father is gay. He's um, very, and he likes adult okay. pornography. He actually goes to the bookstore that my partner works at. But anyway, that's Good just bored. So, but back to some um, what was saying. You know who would have been perfect for that role, actually? And I, and for some reason, like when I Uncle need Bill. his name, shut mm. up. When I need his name, <laughs> I can't get it because you keep throwing me off. Um, no. Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince. <laughs> no, actually, if anybody has ever watched Eve's Bayou, oh my goodness, uh, yes, the guy, the guy the that guy, played the... the lighter skin guy that played um, the guy that kills Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah, because uh, he, he had also... a hoe for a wife. Yeah, but he's an excellent actor. He's done a lot of great work. He was on Get on the Bus with Spike Lee. He's done Son of Sam. He's done a lot of great movies. Great actor. He would have been, been different perfect. to see him in it. Like he would have been perfect because he is actually mulatto and he's from Louisiana. He would have been perfect for that role. And it's so funny because when it's like when you read the guy's story of the Axeman, that's whose picture comes to mind. That's who you think about. He would have been perfect for that role. I'm sorry. But I just wanted to put that. So he's that would have been really cool though to like see that scene between him and Jessica Lang. But I don't he's know. He's a phenomenal actor too. So he both of them like pulled it off. He would have pulled both it off. ideas. It it was great, but I just I don't know. I need I need more people of color. I think that's what's bothering me so much. I just need more people of color, not just when we go to Cornrow City. I just need more. Exactly. I just need more. I just need more. And I think I keep. That's like in the back of my head. I keep thinking like I would love the show a little bit more if you weren't based in fucking New Orleans with an, like zilch colored people. Like that shit bothers me. Like that's like having it in like Compton and not showing any black people. Well, I just thought it was interesting that they were at a fast food restaurant and no it, black. even at the fast food restaurant there were no black people. There were no people. But I'm just saying. Yeah. But but even, even the, the voice of the pool, you don't even yeah. see any black people. <laughs> There's no black people. We were like, you were talking about like, New Orleans. Queenie and the people in Cornrow City are the only black people that inhabit it, that inhabit New Orleans, oh, apparently, nice. according to yeah. American Horror Story. I don't know. It just kind of There's only maybe of- about 15 to 20 black people in New Orleans. In New Orleans. <laughs> maybe, maybe 25. But you got to look really hard. Well, I mean, to me, I don't think about. I, I'm not even worried about it anymore because at least they're doing better than Friends, honey. Friends was t- took place in the middle of New York City, and there was nobody but white people. It took them ten years to find Gabrielle Union. Tired of your uh-huh. shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, I mean, Aisha Tyler. And you mean you know, and and so I'm just being real about that, you know. And so you know, child, queerest folk. Another one. You're in the middle of Pittsburgh. Has anybody been to Pittsburgh? It's like no. one of the blackest cities in Pennsylvania besides Philadelphia. There were no black people in there. So, I'm not surprised. Welcome to Hollywood. But moving on. Well, we also need Latinos. So, Deadly, go be a... Exactly. Like a, like a I was about, I was, I was about to say that where's the Latinos. But, the but, one, you know, I, but the thing about Latinos, I'll give it to you. The one thing is that you guys have your own channel. No, 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 no. But and that's... You, you, really you, you're mixing that up a little bit. Because that's what people say, but look, there's so many Latinos like myself who I don't know Spanish, and so I don't watch those channels. Mm, and okay. people forget, like Lat- Latinos been here for like ever, but we don't, you know, it's like the George Lopez's, like that kind. It's like we've been here forever. It's like a lot of us don't even know Spanish. Mm-hmm. Deadly so they- could have been the Axeman. Exactly. 
Yeah, I don't Daddy be watching those novellas. Hot, he would have been a hot ass man. And then I would have yes. superimposed my face on Jessica Lang's body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I love that scene. You know, the whole, you know, at least we got some little jazz since it's New Orleans. And he was over there kind of playing Fiona like like she was a saxophone. And Yeah, I thought he was going to get ready to play with her kitty. I know. <laughs> oh my god, that was so gross. Like, the way he was moving his fingers. He was he was trying to do that kneading thing like uh, Queenie did. Yes, he mm. learned because he was still there in the ghost. <laughs> All of you guys have some serious, serious mental health issues going on here. We will sign up for sessions with you, Marshall. I need to go uh, get laid. I'm saying. <laughs> Sounds like Daryl's getting some action. <laughs> anyway, so what's going on now? Okay, so heading back to the academy, Delphine and Queenie go to a fast food drive-thru where Delphine uh, waxes poetically about the joys of fast food. Delphine, she's excited about the food, and while chatting with Queenie, suggests that that despite Queenie's efforts to bond with the other witches, that her attempts will fail due to uh, her race. Queenie decides to pay a visit to Marie Laveau, who knows all about her. And over gumbo, Marie tells Queenie about Madame Lalaurie and offers Queenie amnesty in exchange for Delphine. Queenie leaves, considering the offer. Back at the academy, Queenie enters the kitchen while Delphine is slicing a ham. And um, Queenie asks the maid... Uh, Delphine, what her worst act was. So uh, LaLaurie reluctantly tells her about her old handmaiden, Sally, and uh, the beauty elixir Delphine made from Sally's newborn, an illegitimate child fathered by Delphine's husband. Devastated by the child's death, Sally leapt to her death off a high balcony. Her body discovered the next morning. Queenie, of course, is horrified, but uh, LaLaurie tells her that she's being honest because she believes Queenie to be a true friend and that she feels that she's growing and um, evolving as a person as she's um, under Queenie's wing. Queenie leads Delphine to Cornrow City under the ruse of her getting a brand new hairdo and a haircut. And Delphine was a little bit hesitant about the haircut, but she was uh, getting excited by the minute. Delphine is uh, shocked when uh, Marie Laveau appears, and Delphine gets locked in a cage. Lullerie screams and cries to be released. Queenie assists Marie Laveau in making a Lullerie-style beauty treatment by using Lullerie's own blood Using it as she prepares for bed, the voodoo queen declares it beautiful as the tables have turned on Madame Delphine Lalarie. So, what did everyone think of this storyline? And we'll start off with the Axeman, Dariel. <laughs> she didn't. Asleep. She didn't fell asleep. Her last thing was Z Z Z. I saw her. Yes. Oh no, I was on mute. I was on mute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Spalding's gonna lick you and I didn't you up. like 
how they took five minutes for Angela Bassett to put on that damn face, like for she she was relishing in that, wasn't she? It was just taking too damn long, and I'm like, they could have added in a whole other scene for the amount it took her to. <laughs> um, but um, I'm gonna touch on what uh, Marshall said at the beginning, where they were uh, building up their bond, her bond with Queenie, so we could feel bad for her. I'm kind of like halfway. I was really starting to feel for her till yes, she killed yes. a little baby, rather than like getting pissed at her husband for clearly either raping or getting involved with the with the handmaiden. And that whole scene just pissed me off. Granted, I'm I'm not an eye for an eye person. I never have been, but. This is a baby that had nothing to do with it. She could have at least, you know, went off on the husband or something. So I, at the end, I was like, you know, well, she got what she deserved. So I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how this turns out, too. So, yeah. I have to say that I'm right in the middle with you. I kind of I really kind of had mixed emotions about what was going on. I think and I and I honestly think I had mixed emotions because even though she had done some very, very horrible things, and she's definitely not my favorite character by any stretch of the imagination, she actually was trying to change. And I kind of feel like... I don't know. I kind of feel like um, putting somebody in a box for 200 years or how many hundreds of years... have some self-reflection. <laughs> yeah, and then... You know, and then torturing them and terrifying them with minotaurs and all these things. It's just kind of like, okay, girl, you know, when are you going to be sated at this point? Mm -hmm. Like, you're always going to. So it's just kind of, I had mixed emotions. And I feel bad for Queenie because I feel like Queenie is being used as a pawn by both people. Uh And so I feel bad for Queenie because a lot of people go, well, she led her. But yeah, but it's because you're confused it's like you you have a coven who supposedly says that they're your coven they're your sisters but the more and more you look the more and more you see that they don't really bring you into the fold and you have the supreme saying oh you're going to be a supreme and then when you look back you go wait a minute i'm not going to be a supreme i'm not developing any other powers so i mean you and then you meet another woman who looks like you who eats the same foods as you who has this historical context and understanding that you you thrive and hunger for that you're not getting from the white women in the coven. You know what I mean? Um, And yet you go there and you're still being manipulated. So my heart really goes out to Queenie and then to see her do that to Delphine, I don't know. It bothered me. It really, really bothered me. I mean, and as evil as Delphine is, it just bothered me. I feel like she sold out. Yeah, I feel like she... I feel like in her trying to figure out herself, she, I don't know. And also for me, the writing is kind of off. I'm like, well, if she really hated this woman so much, then why didn't she just let the Minotaur get her in the beginning? True. Like, why go through all of this to protect her? I feel like she's doing anything she can to, like, fit in because she's deeply disturbed at the end of the day. That the fact that she really is, you know, the only black chick and then she's big and then all of that. And they really don't try and empathize with her in any way. So I feel like she's doing whatever she can to feel accepted. What goes even, around comes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even putting her own feelings aside for her because she, you can tell she's starting to grow a bond with her too. I mean, somebody had to pay for that food and it wasn't Delphine. So I feel like when you buy food for somebody, you're starting to feel them a little bit. So, you know. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think 
that's why I felt so uncomfortable because I feel like, although once again, I do think that Delphine is in the situation because of her mouth. I think that it all started with her being in the car and making a statement. Those girls will never be your friend because you're Negro. I and don't I, think she meant that in a bad way, though. The I, problem I, is, my mother always said, when you plant a seed, expect it to grow. Oh, uh, yeah, she was just yeah. being the realist, though. She knows. She I knows how she, these white ladies think. think. She, yeah, I really don't think she meant it in She knows but how what white I'm ladies saying, think. But, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, by her planting that seed, that seed grew and came back to get her. Because what ended up happening is, you planted a seed of doubt, whether it was real or not. You planted a seed of doubt, which led her to go to the only person who looked like her who could understand magic like her who happened to be your enemy for for whatever reason though i i and i love angela bass's character but for whatever reason i just don't feel like she's being sincere with how she's trying trying to i feel like she's trying to play queenie i feel like she's throwing the race card in there to really she pull at her heartstrings. no she is i think she's just, because at the end she's of the day i think she's gonna kill her a, because she's a witch definitely definitely it's, as far as how I felt about it, because y'all was getting into it, child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm actually shocked that Marshall felt like sadness for. So for, am I. Because it was weird. Because when I was watching it, I like I'm not gonna lie. Well, I'm a softy when I feel like someone has felt like they've truly made a friend in someone, and they're truly trying to change, only for them. You know, they put their trust in this person only for them to lead them in a situation that they didn't want to be in. And I think maybe that's just for me, like personal reasons for me, because it's happened to me so many times. And like, I felt like in that sense, like I was Madame LaLaurie. Like I was the person that put my trust into someone. And I thought I was truly making a friend. And I thought, you know, I was... I'm changing only for them to turn their back on me and put me in a situation that I. She killed a baby. She killed a baby. I I know she She killed killed a baby. She's done a lot of things. You know what? I was there when you like. I'm not done yet. (laughs) When you look, when you look at her face, her face, and the way that she's like, you could just tell that she was regretting things that she's done in her life. You wanted to caress her waddle. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I don't want to do all that now, but I, I I really felt sad for her, especially when she realized like where Queenie had taken her. I started to cry a little bit because it's just like fuck. Like even though she is a shitty person and she doesn't even deserve to even be living right now, or just I would have just killed her as soon as I had the chance. But the fact that she's actually like trying to change and she's trying to understand, you always have to realize that that bigotry is always going to be there you can't completely wash out bigotry like not everyone like it's really hard but it's like it's kind of like when someone asks you a question such as if adolf hitler you know was in a house and he was in the house was on fire and then in that house there were paintings like van gogh or whatever what have you would you save a painting or would you save adolf hitler and it goes into that thing. It's like a painting. No, not a painting. Because at the end of the day, Adolf Hitler is still a person. You're gonna grow up to become as a child. Even him being a child, it's the fact that you could change it. It's the fact that you could really affect someone's life and change it. And I feel like that's what Queenie could do for her. But I feel like Queenie kind of turned her back on her. But I understand why. But it's still kind of shitty. Yeah. When she, well, here's here's my she, thing. Okay. 
Oh, I apologize. Accident. No, I was just, I was just making a point. Like I was feeling bad, just like Deadly was. Like, well, she killed a fucking baby. But mm-hmm. when Queenie was pretty much like, "Wow, you're awful," or "I don't think you're gonna change," or whatever she said, and when that little quiver in her voice, she's like, "But I'm trying." She won me over right there. Like, <laughs> she won me over. I was like, "Damn, I really feel bad." Wimps. I, I, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. But. Well, I think that I think the thing about it is that even within, even though when people do some of the most horrible and horrific things in the world, we still have to remember that they're still a human, and so and that there's still potential to change. I think a lot of times in our society we live in an absolute world, which is why I think the majority of people that we know that um, that commit crimes and do things like that, you, you know what I'm saying? We are so like not sensitive we don't realize that yes they did a hor- yes they may be done a horrible thing yes they've done an unforgivable thing but that they're still a human being and that there's still potential within them as as small as it may be for some people they still can change and that's just the way that i've always looked at things so and to me that's the character that she's playing in this episode it is playing on our emotions particularly as people of color particularly as black people it's definitely playing on our emotions because it's yeah, you get pissed off she killed a baby. Yeah, we saw how she treated her slaves. Yeah, we saw how horrible she was. But then at the same thing, it was like, does it make it right to win her trust after she's trying to change and then betray that trust? What happens if she gets through and then she ends up being just as evil? What you going to say then? What happened? Mm-hmm. What'd you what you say? If she, what if she ends up being just as evil? If she gets through all this stuff, if she gets it out of that little jail that she's in right now okay get i feel like it's gonna it's it's not the same though because it's not the same she's angry because now. she's all yeah now she's mad now she's now she's right and she's a righteous people, she, she's a righteous gonna angry. feel like black yes. people are never gonna change like Thank i tried to extend my hand of like i tried to change and i see that it done it's done nothing if queenie would have never brought her to cornrow city then yes she would have changed she would have had a maybe a possibility not a 360 turnaround but mm-hmm. close there's always going to be still good yeah it, it's still good but it's never going to be quite 100 percent now like queenie's kind of damaged her changing at all a little bit and not only that but you have to also understand that i think that you know if queenie dies people are not going to have any sensitivity toward her death at all because even though we're looking at it as a black girl that's lost she has she's not going to have any allies in the end i mean she's not going to have any allies and don't forget that the coven the witch's uh coven is if you betray your coven is death so she mm-hmm. just put herself on death row mr dale mm-hmm. bring her back no because she's a witch one more person i swear to god she's a witch (laughs) she she won't she won't bring her back but i mean i just think it's a fucked up setup that's all here are my points number one thank you for shouting out borkita lalarim because we need more of that name on the show (laughs) number two i agree with all of you (laughs) i love marshall's (laughs) yells number two i agree with all of you it's a true testament as to what a true, pure actress, and I mean actress in all of its power of that word, that Kathy Bates is, how she could turn a character based on a real person who has done horrific things and 
the majority of us are sort of torn as to how to feel towards her. Should we feel sympathetic? Should we feel sorry for her current predicament? Should we be disgusted by her, repulsed by her? I mean, it's a true testament to Kathy Bates that she can make us feel all these different emotions for a character that really is despicable. So, and the third point that I wanted to make, I am so frustrated by Marie Laveau. Like, I want to be on her side. I am mm-hmm. more on her side than the Coven side just because of the history. But she keeps on spitting left and right. Oh, you break into truce coming over here. I'm like, bitch, you broke the truce when you hired a witch hunter. So uh-huh. I don't like that she's all high and mighty trying to spit out, oh, you're breaking the truce now. You're crossing the truce. And she's uh-huh. the one broke the truce first because it doesn't seem like prior to the witch hunter the coven was doing anything to bother marie laveau so she started this so if for some reason they end up killing her off it's all her fault because she's the one that broke the truce first because you know the truth about the witch hunter and who hired the witch hunter is going to come out eventually yeah, but I think that um, my thing is is that I have a problem with the writing of it because the characterization that they're giving of Marie Laveau is completely opposite of who she was. And that's what, that's where historically I'm kind of, and for lack of a better word, I'm motherfucking pissed off. Oh, I'm shit. tired of them taking our black icons and people of our black history and turning them into horrific villains. I don't like the writing. And if I saw the white faggot that created the character, I would slap oh. him in his fucking face. Because I'm whoa. sick of it. I'm at the end of whoa. my rope. That you is not the, the character. Witch. That is not the character. She was not a dark figure. As a matter of fact, she was a, she was a force of light for the black community during the hard times. She was the one that would keep them and protect them. So not only that, but she is known to be a protector of witches that fled from Salem. So it's bullshit. Oh. And the way that they're writing this character, they're writing it so that you will dislike her. And I'm sick and tired of our black sisters always being seen as the evil one. Fuck that shit. But what I know in reality, there'll be some white blonde bitch that will come over into the hood and try to start a fight with a black woman and then cry when a black woman will her ass. That's the truth. Mm. Don't yeah. you feel there's still time? There's still time in the second half of the season where you know how this no, show is. They've already where... set it up. No, they've already set it up that she's the bad guy. And no, but there's this show. It turns people like I did not. We talked at the beginning of the season. Like I had my favorites, and I ended up not liking some of them two weeks down. Like Cordelia, I was hating her. Now I like her. I mean, it just it can it can turn quick. Well, they better turn this shit back around real fast because as of right now, Ryan Murphy can kiss my all of my fat black ass. Ooh. <laughs> and we have the confirmation well, that Marshall's ass is fat. Boom. P H A T. Get it right. I don't know. Damn. Like, I mean, I, I like. I'm. I'm half and half. I'm like. I can understand what Marshall's talking about, but like, I'm still like hoping that they pretty much just didn't show us Queenie's death card because that would suck. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just like this is just really hard and really like it's really emotional and I mean as far as it just being a troubling thing for just black people I will say I think it's it's troubling for any person of color like Latinos or or people that have who have like felt hardships of like racial inequality but I mean it is our history being told but I'm not but it's not a history that people 
you know, of all people of all color can't also feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump into our spoiler section. So things are going to get a little spoilery. So listeners, if you don't want to know things that are going to be happening very soon on American Horror Story coming, I suggest you turn your volume down low because this is officially a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay, listeners, if you have a local Barnes and Nobles or at your local grocery store, you need to head there right now because Entertainment Weekly is featuring Jessica Lang, Angela Bassett, and the head of Kathy yes. Bates on its cover. It has a whole um, love in it. Yeah, spread of American Horror Story. You're going to learn all about it. Tales from the Coven set. Scoop on next season. So pick up Entertainment Weekly. The cover looks fantastic. And if you want to see the cover, if you don't uh, know what it is, you know, if you don't know what it looks like, you can definitely visit our Facebook like page. It's on the like page. You can go to facebook.com forward slash PCR. Are you afraid? Those are the letters P, C, and R. And the word spelled out, are you afraid? So once again, that's facebook.com forward slash PCR. Are you afraid? Um, here's a little bit of information on the upcoming episodes. We have uh, a break this week. There won't be an episode airing later on tonight after our show here, Are You Afraid, Coven? So, because of the Thanksgiving holiday, I'm assuming that's why they're not airing a new episode tonight. There are two more episodes in the month of December before the hiatus. There's an episode on December 4th titled The Sacred Taking. And then there's an episode on December 11th, which will be the um, mid-season finale. And that one's called Head. And then new episodes return for every Wednesday in January, beginning January 8th, with the season finale on January 29th. There's been a little bit of scoop as to what, where, when next season will take place. Ryan Murphy has told Entertainment Weekly that um, season four will not be contemporary. It's either going to shoot in New Orleans or possibly Santa Fe. And that he's going to start dropping hints as to what next season is going to be about in around episode 11. And uh, earlier this season, there were rumors about a spinoff of Coven. So a continuation of the idea of Coven and Miss Robichaux's in its own series that's not American Horror Story related, but uh, Ryan Murphy has uh, said that the project is dead now. He revealed, and I quote, we were starting to break episode 8 or 9 and we were like, well, we can't kill that person off because we need them for the spinoff. As soon as those words were said, I was like, there is no spinoff because it took away from the joy of the show. The reason the show is successful is no one is safe ever unless Misty Day shows up and brings it back to life. Ryan Murphy also tweeted an image from Stevie Nicks on the American Horror Story set, and he also said that Stevie Nicks may return for more episodes instead of the the one episode that she's going to be in. Ryan Murphy also does a interview with Entertainment Weekly that posts immediately after the new episode is aired, and he gave a little bit of spoilery tidbits as to what's going to happen. 
So he's asked by Entertainment Weekly. So in the next episode, is Queenie fully immersed in the voodoo witches? He goes on to say, yes, she's trying to acclimate with that culture. She finds it both liberating, but the truth of the matter is she does miss her friends over at the Show house. She's a lady torn. Then they also talk a bit about flashbacks and are they ask if they're going to see more flashbacks. Flashbacks. And uh, Ryan Murphy says, we're working on a great one right now that shows you how Madame LaLaurie became Madame LaLaurie. So we're researching what actually happened to her. How did she go from being this creature to Jeffrey Dahmer? What happened? Then they also ask about Fiona and will the final episodes be about plotting her death? And he goes on to say, well, something happens in the next episode that is very eye-opening and illuminating for Cordelia, which is this idea that no matter how much she hates her mother and no matter how horrible she is, Fiona really is the strongest witch of them all. Do you get rid of your strongest player at the time when the witch hunters are trying to kill you? Also, Fiona is so smart, she's going to know if her daughter is trying to kill her off. Do you think she's going to stand for that? I don't think so. I feel something bad is in the works for Ms. Cordelia. And then... They ask him about Hank. You know, he's briefly seen in a hotel room surrounded by weapons. Is he going to unleash war on the witches? He goes on to say, well, he's planning a big, big doomsday event, which we deal with in our winter finale, which is two episodes from now. It's not pretty. It's a great episode called Head. Everything is about what happens in the head. If you saw the cover of Entertainment Weekly, you can kind of surmise what happens to Kathy Bates. So, yes, he also goes on to say that he's writing a lot of scenes for Angela Bassett, Kathy Bates, and Jessica Lang because, um, you know, the audience seems to like seeing them in scenes together. So, is everybody excited about what's going to be happening in the next couple of episodes on American Horror Story? Well, you said so much, I don't even think I kept up with it, to be honest. I mean, I, literally, it just was like, oh, God, it just went over my head. I really hope they don't make a spin off. They're doing too much. Ooh. Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, out of all of the ones that you guys have talked about before, this was the first one to get my attention, and I actually like it. So I, I wouldn't mind them doing a spinoff, but you know, that's just I me. I feel like, because the thing about that makes American Horror Story so great, which I tell all of my friends who've never seen it, each episode, or excuse me, each season is something completely different from the last. So it's not like you are missing out on anything like a show like Scandal, where everything is all tied together. So if you're wanting to watch it, you'd have to watch it from day one. It's not like that with American Horror Story. No, I know. So yeah. yeah. I like the fact that everything's different. I've grown to like it, rather. And if I feel like they're just dragging something on for too long. I mean, is it going to be like... Is that going to be what season four is? Like, I just, I don't, I don't know, but I'm not feeling that at all. No, I thought that they were saying that there was the spinoff would not be anything attached to American Horror Story. It would be like its own entity. Oh, I see. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought I heard you say, right? Yes. Yeah. But they're not going to do that anyway, so it doesn't matter. And besides, I just don't want to see another TV show where, you know, there's only three black people in the whole city. (laughs) <laughs> exactly so i really could you know i'm glad that they're not gonna do that but we'll see what happens you know i've i've kind of given up i love queenie i love gabby sidibe but i just get this bad feeling that she's gonna die very soon queenie you in danger girl 
<laughs> oh, Lord. Well, that'll do it for tonight's installment of Are You Afraid, Coven? Please tune in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid, Coven? We're here whenever there's a brand new episode of um, American Horror Story, Coven. So since there is not a new episode later on tonight, so we will not be back next week with a brand new installment, but you can tune in on Wednesday, December 11th for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid, Coven. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. You can also like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash poppychuloradio. Co-hosts wish the listeners a good night. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Yeah, I agree with Marshall. (laughs) Oh my god. Happy uh, Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> is Deadly here? Hello? Deadly. Goodbye. I want some mac and cheese. I've been talking. I guess I've been talking on mute for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> and on that note, listeners, have a wonderful night and a very happy Thanksgiving. Good night. You want some mac and cheese? <laughs>